So, Happy New Year, everyone. Glad to be with you today. I hope you're excited to be in church and you're not here because I got to go to church. Hopefully, you're like, okay, I'm ready to lean into the new year. So, if you're online or here in the chapel center, wherever you are, just howdy and Happy New Year. So, I grew up in North Jersey. I've told you this before. So, I'm Joe from Jersey. And you should love that about me because Jersey's the promised land. I mean, it's just a great place. <laughs> That's not what I, so I grew up and I, my family, we had a basement and in the basement, my brother and sister and I, I have older brother and sister, used to go down to the basement to play. And we'd go down there and we were those kids that like, we played very quietly, puzzles, we drew pictures, colored in the lines, no drama, no issues. Now nah, it was a little more ruckus than that. It was wrestling and balls and problems and tension. And once in a while, my dad, just every leap year, my dad would yell down the stairs, hey, settle down or something's going to happen. You know, like that voice, my, I, my dad kind of has the same voice that I did, like, hey, settle down or else, that or else, right? You know what I mean? That or else, when you hear that, you go, okay, dad doesn't like what's going on. I have a choice to hear that, settle down or else. Or else means he's going to come down and settle us down, right? So you learn as a kid to interpret your parents, even though they don't say what they mean. Or else means I'm going to come down. And most times we would listen. Other times we wouldn't. And he would yell down again, did you hear me? It's like, okay, I hear you, but I have a choice to believe that you're going to to do something about what you say. So when you say, settle down, did you hear me? If I hear him and I believe him, then my behavior starts to change, right? But if I hear him, don't change, do I believe him? When you follow Jesus, it's a pursuit, a journey of believing. It's about believing in someone I can't touch or see. And in order for me to believe, I have to hear. I have to hear his words. And so we talk about the Bible. We talk about God's word here. We speak words. And lots of people hear about God. Lots of people hear about Jesus. Lots of people hear about the Bible. Lots of people do Jesus Bible things. But there's a difference between hearing and believing. So I need to hear to believe, but there's something more when I believe. It's saying, okay, I believe so much that it begins to change how I live, how I act, how I think. So much of following Jesus is making this simple, sometimes daily choice that I'm going to hear and believe or I'm going to hear and reject. I'm going to hear and choose to believe, or I'm going to hear and choose to reject what I hear. If I hear and believe, it's going to change my behavior. If I hear and reject, that's also going to change my behavior. Believing and rejecting starts to put into place what I think and starts to change what I do, how I act, how I live. So we're in this series looking at the Gospel of John in the Bible. The Gospel of John is just a biography of Jesus, written by Jesus' closest earthly friend. So John writes this biography, and he has a very clear purpose for why he writes a biography about Jesus. He says, I write these things to you so that you might believe that Jesus 
is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Messiah, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That by believing you might have life, that there be change, that belief starts to change my life in every possible way. It's really neat, as John goes through this, to learn and to grow into what it means to believe and be changed. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to follow along with me. We're in John chapter 5. We're going to be looking at today verses 16 through 30. John chapter 5. So turn there, open up your Bibles, turn them on electronically, check it out in the app. And it's pretty neat, the transition that's going on here. In the first five chapters of John, listen, in the first five chapters of John, Jesus is being introduced through his biography. And, and he's being introduced, and it's, it's very much a, an introduction of come and see who Jesus is, because if you're ready to see who Jesus is, he's ready to show you more. It's very much come and see, and as you see, come and follow, because as you're able to see him and you want to follow him, he's ready to lead you. So John 1 through 5 is all about that, but something changes, shifts in John chapter 5, where it moves from follow me to believe me. Jesus' talk, his teaching starts to shift a little bit. Do you believe me? When you hear these things, do you believe me? Because if you believe me, it's going to change your life. So here in John chapter 5, this shift starts to happen, but another shift also happens in John 5, where there starts to be tension in Jesus' life. Before this in John's gospel, no tension. Jesus is just this superhero, miraculous guy doing great things, and people are like, oh, Jesus. Now, here in John chapter 5, things shift a little bit, and Jesus does something in the beginning of John chapter 5, which we talked about a number of weeks ago, where he heals a man who has been suffering and unable to walk for 38 years. He says to this man, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And the guy picks up his mat and walks. But in his town, there was the religious elite. Every town has religious elite. I call them the God Squad. There's these people that think they're God's defenders, and they have to defend God, and they have to be the ones who know more about God, and they're holier than you, better than you, and more spiritual than you. They have to protect God by being super spiritual, the God Squad. The God Squad sees this guy pick up his mat and walk, and they're like, hey, who told you you can do that? Because picking up your mat and walking on the Sabbath on this religious day is work, and you're not supposed to work. So who told you you could do that? Because they're the guardians, the protectors of God, they think. In this moment, Jesus' tension starts to build because Jesus did a miracle. Look at verse 16 where we pick up today. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. They start to see him as a threat. They're bothered by him. They start to speak bad about him. And now they're going to begin to confront him because this miracle is not just the only thing Jesus has been doing. He's been riling up the religious elite, the God squad, in verse 17. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was Jesus breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his father, making himself equal with God. These guys are ticked. It starts with persecution. They start talking about him, probably with words. In verse 18, it says they want to kill him because Jesus is playing 
not playing by the religious rules, right? And more than that, he's saying, I'm equal with God. He's saying, wait, God is always working, and I'm his son, so that means I'm always going to work, and this riles this God squad up. Because understand, the God squad sees themselves as the protector of God's laws. They're the ones who are supposed to interpret God's laws. They're the ones who are supposed to teach God's laws. They're the ones who are supposed to enforce God's laws. Now Jesus is not only breaking their religious laws. He's saying he is God. And these are fighting words to the God squad. They're so loyal to God that they will kill to defend God's honor. Side note. Anybody that thinks they need to kill to defend God's honor, they're frauds. God doesn't need anyone, his, anyone's help. So beware of those kinds of extremists in any kind of religion. But this tension is beginning to build. Who is Jesus? John's trying to get us to make this decision. Who is Jesus? He causes people to get so angry that they want to kill him. Is he a threat? Is he a fraud? Who is he? Why is he like this? You're either going to reject Jesus or you're going to believe in Jesus. He's trying to show us that we have to make a decision about who Jesus is. And what he does next is some extensive, deep teaching. In the next set of verses, Jesus is going to make some pretty lofty claims. He's going to make the claim, Jesus, that he is the Son of God. He's going to come right out and say it. He's going to make the claim in these next set of verses that he is the only way to life. He's going to make the claim in these set of verses that one day he's going to return to make all things right and new and judge the world. In each of these claims, we have a choice. When we hear Jesus' words, do we believe what he says or do we reject what he says? Because to believe or to reject changes our behavior, but we have to make a choice. Maybe not right now, maybe not in this moment, but on a journey to think about who Jesus really says he is. Remember, he's making himself equal with God, which is causing the God squad to want to kill him. So look at verse 19. Jesus says, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son. And shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raised the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to he to whom he pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all honor the Son, excuse me, that all may honor the Son just as the honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. This is essential teaching of Christianity, that God exists eternally in three equal, distinct persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And Jesus comes to earth as the exact representation of God the Father. So to see Jesus is to see God. To hear Jesus is to hear God. To honor Jesus is to honor God. To honor God is to honor Jesus. It's seamless together. All these things that the Father does, the Son does. So the question becomes, as Jesus lays these truths out in the Gospels, is do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Is your mind open to that? And that's a hard question. Is it possible that God in his sovereignty decided that he was going to show himself through a person so that Jesus comes and walks on planet earth 
to open a relationship for humanity to be connected with God. Is that possible? Is it possible that when you look at Jesus, you see the heart of God? I mean, it's kind of the sniff test, right? When you see Jesus, does he smell like God? To you, when you read about him, does he, does he talk like God, act like God, love like God, teach like God? Does it resonate with you in such a way that to look at Jesus is to see God himself? It's a question for you. Hear and believe or hear and reject that he is the Son of God. But it gets a little heavier from here on out. Because listen to what he says next in verse 24. He says, very truly I tell you, side note, whenever Jesus says, very truly I tell you, he's trying to say, hey, listen up class, stop sleeping, pay attention. I've got something to say to you that's really important. Whenever Jesus says, very truly I tell you, he's saying, Joe, wake up and listen to this because what I'm about to drop on you is pivotal core truth that you have to make a choice about. Very truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but is crossed over from death to life. He says it again, very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he's granted the Son also to have life in himself, and he who has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Here you have another choice. He sends Jesus in to earth with the authority and the power to grant life. And when he says life here, he's not talking about heaven. Don't read it that way. He's not talking about after you take a dirt nap. He's talking about life now. He's saying, here's the reality, and this is what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that every person that's alive physically starts off dead spiritually. So if you're breathing right now without a relationship with Christ, you're alive physically and dead spiritually. Why dead spiritually? What does that mean? We were created by God to live in a constant relationship with him where we walk with God and honor God. We're spiritually dead, how do I know? Because I don't walk with God and I don't honor God. I walk with myself and I honor myself. And I listen to myself, to not God. And that is the symptom that I am spiritually dead. And God loves us too much to leave us that way. So he says in verse 25, very truly I tell you, a time is coming, Jesus is saying this, time is coming and has now come when the dead Who's he talking about? Not the physically dead. The spiritually dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. That you will be alive spiritually. Do you believe that Jesus is the way to life? Do you believe that you're spiritually dead, or do you think I'm crazy? Are you spiritually connected to God? Are you ashamed of your sin? Do you realize how messed up you are? Do you see that it is possible that you could be spiritually dead? Do you see also that the moment you put your trust in Jesus, incredible, you go from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. And this happens way before you ever go to heaven or hell, any of that kind of jazz. It's like in the here and now, I can be physically alive and spiritually alive, and I can walk with the living God right now in a relationship with Jesus, in connection and communion with Jesus. And it will last forever, but it starts now. 
Do you believe? And the last thing he says is he has the ability to give life, but he's also going to return one day. Look at verse 28. He says, do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear the, his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. He's foreshadowing his future return. Just like we celebrate Christmas, there's a day coming when we will celebrate the return of Christ, and it becomes a decision point again. Do you believe that Jesus will return one day? And when he returns, he has a purpose in returning to resurrect us to eternal life or to condemnation. It's what the Bible teaches, that there's a time coming in the future when anyone who is in the grave will hear the voice of their Creator who's strong enough and powerful enough and will be raised. And there will be a decision point, a decision, a judgment moment about what you believed. And if in life you chose to believe in the Son of God, then you will, as you have done in life, you will live for eternity hand in hand with the King of kings and Lord of lords. But if in life you reject, if in life you say, I don't need this garbage, if in life you go, ah, then in your resurrection you will get what you asked for. And so Jesus says, he doesn't say this with a smile on his face, he's just being honest, direct, straight up. That what you decide in life will follow you to the next life. That there is coming a day where we'll have to answer to God. And if I reject Him, then I will get what I chose. I will experience godless, loveless, lightless eternity. But when I say yes to Jesus, I experience Christ now and forever. I experience His love now and forever. I experience His grace now and forever. And Jesus ends by saying in verse 30, by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. My judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but Him who sent me. He's again making a statement that the Father and I are one. So just as God the Father is just and good in all His ways, fair to everyone and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Just as God the Father is that way, so God the Son is that way. And He wants us in His love to hear these truths and make a decision. Do I believe or do I reject? And I know this is a lot to take in. John's Gospel starts out by saying, come and see who Jesus is. And as you come and see, you start following. And now He's going to lay out these strong teachings and ask, are you going to believe me? He's going to say, I'm the Son of God. God and I, we're one together. To see me, to hear me, to honor me is to see him, to honor him, to know, to know him. Jesus says, I am the way to life, not simply eternal life after we die, but life now. And it only comes through a relationship with him. And he says, I'm going to return to judge the world. Those who reject me will get what they wanted. Those who wanted me will get what they wanted. These are strong things and hard. It causes us to think, it's sobering to think and go, do I hear this stuff and believe it? Or do I hear it and reject it? Lots of us hear it and we like to sit on the fence and just hear it. At some point, we have to make a decision because this isn't a game. 
You so much going on in our world is sort of playing and all kinds of fantasy this and sitcom that and Netflix this and just all kinds of fake reality, virtual reality. This is the realest stuff there is. That there will come a day when we have to answer to our Creator and we have to decide who do we say Jesus is? It's a choice about a relationship with Almighty God. And if we say, yes, I believe, it begins to change my life. And if I say, no, I don't believe, that begins to change my life as well. Is this an urgent decision, something you have to deal with right here, right now? I don't know. Is it an important decision? Oh, it's the most important decision you and I will ever make. Because it's about life now with God and life forever with God. So I get how this is overwhelming. I get how this is big. And sometimes we just go, hey, can we just have a happy new year? Like, I didn't really want to wake up on a Sunday morning and hear this. I get it. I understand. But again, this is the most real. This is the the stuff that life is about. And we want to push it off and not think about it. But we have to make a decision. So I get how it's hard, and here's what's cool in John's gospel. Here's what he's going to do. He teach, John lays out this teaching of Jesus that says, Jesus says, I'm the Son of God. Jesus says, I've come to give you life. Jesus says, he's going to come and judge the world. And then in the next chapters of John, he's going to flush that out and show us what it looks like because he knows it's hard for us to believe this. It's hard and it's a journey. And so over the next number of weeks as we unpack it further, we're going to look at it and try to understand it more and kind of Learn together what it means to believe, to believe these things about Jesus. But we also recognize as a church that there's more teaching that needs to happen in our midst, and and there are so many of you that are hungry. And so look out this week. What we're going to be doing is pushing out something called Real Talk, and we're going to be videoing midweek stuff to send out to you so that you can learn more, something between weeks, so that you can grow if you're hungry to learn handful of minutes video that teaches more. So look on social media, all that technology stuff. It'll be out there, video teaching further so that you can grow more real talk coming this Wednesday. Here's my simple suggestion. So so let's focus for a minute. Exhale for a moment. Ready? Everybody cool? Right? Good? This is big stuff, and it's a lot to try to get in your head. So just let me try to make it practical and simple for you. There's, there's a set of verses in Matthew chapter 11, verse 27 through 30, that help me personally get my brain around this. I drop those verses in your app so you can look at them again later. But Jesus is speaking, and he says, all things have been committed to me by my Father. He's making another statement saying God and Jesus are one, and they're in this connection relationship. To see Jesus is to see God. To see God is to see Jesus. He's trying to communicate that no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those who the Son chooses to reveal the Father to. He's making a statement about how the Father and the Son are connected, and the only way to the Father is through the Son, and he knows that's hard for us to get our minds around. It's hard for me to get my mind around that. So here's a simple prayer I pray that might help you. God, show me Jesus is your son. Because if this is the most important thing, 
and understanding and seeing and believing that Jesus is God the Father's Son on earth, the exact representation of God in human form, and I have a hard time seeing that, then God, show me that. Show me your Son. Show me that He is, in fact, your Son. Because the Bible says whoever seeks Him will find Him. If you seek Him, He wants to be known by you. So talk to God the Father, because in His providence, in His sovereignty, I don't know, I didn't make this decision, it's above my pay grade. He decided that the way you will know Him, the way I will know Him, is through His Son. And if He wants to be known, and He sent His Son so that He can be known, then God, if you're out there, show me Jesus. God, if you're out there, show me that He is your Son. And if you see him as his son. It's going to change everything. But so Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is making this claim again that he's his God's son. But he then does this incredible invitation that we've heard, probably many of us have heard. He makes this claim that he's the son of God. And then he says in verse 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He makes this crazy claim that he and the Father are one, and the Father wants to reveal himself through the Son, and then he does this invitation, come to me, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He invites us to come to him. So God, show me that your son is Jesus. And now he says, now drop your burdens on me. Are you burdened down today by anything? Do you have a financial burden, a relational burden? Do you have some kind of stress or anxiety, some kind of sin and shame that you're wrestling with? If Jesus is God and you drop that burden on him, don't you think you'll learn pretty quick if he's God? If he wants to be revealed through his son and he's empowered his son to be the one who carries your burdens and gives you peace, then maybe one of the ways you'll see he is who he says he is is by dumping your burdens on him. And if he's able to carry it and give you peace, then who is he? If he's able to handle whatever you dump on him, whatever anxiety, fear, sin, shame, struggle, and he's able to carry it, and give you peace, then who is he? The only one he could be is the Son of God, and that changes everything. That changes everything. So I dare you, dump your burdens on him and see if he can carry them. Pray with me. Good Father, thank you for not throwing away us rebels Though we're sinful, disconnected from you, though we worship ourselves and our pleasures and our comforts and our conveniences, we don't honor you, we don't love you, we don't obey you, yet you love us so much that you sent Jesus, the Son of God, who came to bring us life now and forever, that you will come to judge the world, and we don't need to fear that. Good Father in heaven, show us your Son. Show us by our experience, by our faith, 
that you can handle our burdens. Show us that you're following you is gentle and easy. Walking with you is good and strong. Help us to give you our doubts and our fears. Help us to believe. We know that you want to show yourself to all who seek you. So may we seek you because then we will find you. In Jesus' name, amen.